Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care proudly presents Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast series, a podcast device to help emerging and experienced therapy leaders learn more about various topics relevant to outpatient therapy services. So welcome back to Agile and Me, a PT leadership podcast. Excited to welcome AJ Gupta today and talk about 2022 and also perhaps a little bit of crystal ball about 2023. So welcome, AJ. Appreciate you being on the call. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me and excited to be here today. I'm really appreciative of you joining me. I'm humbled. You are a very accomplished healthcare leader. Started your career with, I think, is it Arthur Anderson, a consulting firm? That's correct. And then moved on to be a, a leader of HCA Healthcare and then executive roles in various other healthcare organizations. So extremely impressed. I, I feel humbled given the fact that I was still in the clinic for 25 years. Oh, I, I think you were doing the real work, Richard. I, I was being a non-clinician. I get the benefit of working with great providers and clinicians throughout my career. And nothing short of it. It's been exciting to be in physical therapy and enjoying you and others across professions. So it's been the highlight of my career to be in PT. So thanks for having me. Let's kind of kick off, if we can, looking at 2022. It was was a year of surprises for me, and I don't know if it was for you. So I'd love your perspective as it pertains to 2022 for the outpatient PT sector, or just generally. I'm sure you've you've experienced some challenges, but also hopefully also some some opportunities and uh, some successes. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great question and good time of year to even think about the year and you know reflection and certainly the optimism going into 23. I think you know just to recap 21. I think coming out of the pandemic, a lot of us really experienced a very strong 21, right? 21 had its sets of challenges different than 22, similar to some regard, but just different. And uh, I'd say this year's had a tale of a, a few different macro challenges across just the industry, you know, PT industry and, and just the healthcare services uh, more broadly, right? I think coming into Q1 last year, knock on wood, hope it doesn't uh, reappear this year, we all got hit pretty hard with Omicron. Delta was playing out in terms of the, you know, just the, the, the string and then Omicron hit at least our, a lot of our markets. And probably the, the biggest impact we'd seen through the pandemic with the level of our own employees out and then certainly the impact to our patients. So Q1 started off, I'd say a lot softer with different sets of challenges with Omicron. And then we, we moved into a unique time period with labor. I think we all, we all kind of felt in different markets, it depends on the markets and geographies that we all operate in. We certainly felt it in certain hot spots across the country, and we're primarily central in terms of our markets. So labor's been sort of a, a thematic challenge for, say, the PT industry specifically, and certainly other ancillary parts of healthcare. And then, you know, I mean, look, we moved from labor and we jumped into this recessionary inflation trends and, and certainly the Fed doing what they've done to increase borrowing costs on all of us. So it's almost been a trifecta. And then with the final rule from CMS, which hasn't hit us yet and will go into next year, was disappointing to see what our policymakers in D.C. did yet again across the Part B fee schedule and certainly the PT for those of us that are on a Part B fee schedule. So majority of these have been macro challenges that have certainly had downstream impact to the business, which we've all, you know, we've all had to operate through, right? And, and they still continue to do what we're doing to build out infrastructure and support services and support for, most importantly, our clinicians in the field. 
like you, I was taken by surprise Q1, the COVID variant in 2022. I, I naively thought that 2021 we'd get past it and and life would be good again and everyone yeah. would come back to work and everyone be healthy and well and flu season wouldn't be a problem and we're still talking about it. And I remember very well in the, the second board meeting of, of 2022 and bringing up the issue of COVID. And, and I think they banned the word. I think they, they didn't allow me to say it anymore because it was it was so prevalent and, and so impactful. But on the other hand, we, we really just needed to get on and manage the business regardless. So it's an interesting time. The other thing I would say is the, the labor issue. It's always been tight, hasn't it? We can perhaps talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But what, what surprised me was the difficulties we're getting not only clinical labor, but for the first time that I, in my leadership history, is non-clinical labor struggles. Did you find that it was across the board? Yeah, no, we, we did. In, in non-clinical, we probably more anticipated given just the, the macro pandemic challenges and everyone facing unique hiring challenges, right? That was more, I'd say, anticipated, maybe not at the levels that we saw, but I, I think the the clinical area, historically speaking, has not been as big a gap. I actually heard an interesting stat, like don't fact check me on this. In 21, there was 21,000 PTs that left the workforce and we graduate close to 11,000 new grads a year. So interesting in terms of the, the context there is we lost, you know, two times the graduating workforce in one calendar year, right? And, and I think that's partly the ramifications that we felt in terms of some of the PT supply or the demand for services is there, but we just felt such a gap in, in sort of the supply side of available PTs willing to come into the workforce. So again, it was interesting stat. I, you know, I, I heard that just more recently and, you know, if it's true, that, that probably helps to show kind of the, uh, the short-term challenges that we're all going to face with the supply side. When you assume, let's say, a 30-year career and two years' worth of, of the profession you lose, that's a huge percentage. And somebody or some entity, be that a mom-and-pop shop or be that a larger a PT company like yours or mine, we all suffer as a result, don't we, and have to, to manage around it somehow. Agreed. And the thing that surprised me as well as the challenges of finding good talent and keeping good talent was the wage inflation. Obviously, the economy has been, macroeconomic level, as you say, pretty steady. Inflation hasn't been a problem for many years. Certainly, I was a lot younger in my career when inflation was, was higher and interest rates were relatively high compared to what they have been in the last decade, essentially. So that was, I suppose, a surprise. And obviously what I budgeted in for our normal annual type of wage increase was nowhere near what the reality was. Were you in a similar situation? Yeah, look, I think we're, we're all in the same boat, especially in a competitive labor market, right, in terms of exploratory options. So I think it's, I think for us internally, our model is slightly different than other outpatient providers, especially in the regions we operate in, where we allow for PT, OT ownership in our clinics. We like to align with partners, really almost the extension of the private practice model. So I think there's a different, slightly different at the owner level perspective. We're, we're aligned and kind of still in the entrepreneurial spirit. 
But yeah, look, I think wage pressures are there. We we recognize that certain kind of mid-year and, and went through a full regional comp review with a third party to kind of just make sure are we, you know, where are we in terms of uh, overall across our, across our staff, not just clinical, you know, non-clinical as well. And, and a lot of that was to go into next year to think about how to, where it makes sense to make changes at different levels that we're committed to it versus the normal cycle that we all go through. So I think we're trying to recognize gaps and trying to also recognize margin compression, but also be an employer of choice where we can be across the, the organization. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. Most orthotic manufacturers take a one-shape-fits-all approach to solving lower body pain and symptoms. They focus on arch support for temporary pain relief, which can end up leading to inefficiencies and injuries. That's where BioCorrect is different. More than just an insert, BioCorrect is a fully customizable foot orthotic system engineered to address and treat biomechanical imbalances of the entire body. And we're backed by more than 25 years of experience. To learn more, visit us at BioCorrect.com. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. We've talked about the challenges, but I think this has probably been a positive takeaway, certainly for, for Alliance and I'm sure for your organization as well, because I think philosophically and culturally, there's a lot of similarities between our two organizations. But it is the an increased awareness. And I, I certainly don't want to say there was there was no focus on it, but I, definitely an increased awareness of making sure that we're doing everything we possibly can and and more exploring other ways of taking care of our employees. And I've always prided ourselves on hopefully doing the right thing and providing a work environment that is set for success. But it's really trying to identify what else can we do. Uh, and from a business perspective, it's selfish with regards to trying to be the employer of choice. But I, I think overall, it, everyone should do it. And I think possibly going into next year and beyond, I think the key to success is those that will perhaps think outside the box or execute well on truly taking care of its employees, yes? Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. And I think that's that's the name of the game right now, right? It's been, a, I mean, the last three years have been so unique for all of us professionally and, and personally between 2020, 2021, 22. And I do think continuing to instill a value set, culture is has always been important. It's going to continue to be a big driver, right? And I think partly with the recession, I think there's been exploratory optionality for folks in general. But I, you know, I, I say at least our business, we've seen a, a very material slowdown of folks moving around, if you will, right, in terms of turnover, right? And hopefully that's a, a good trend or a trend of things that we were doing internally focused, but also I think just macro where we did see a lot of job movement, we may start to see more stability and, and uh, folks looking to continue to climb the, the ladder in organizations that they're at today. So maybe that, that, you know, maybe we saw different waves in earlier parts of the year that'll shift going into next year. I'm kind of tapping wood here, but what I think if we've seen a similar thing, it, the, the movement of labor or the great resignation, certainly for non-clinical positions, seems to have I won't say pass, but slowed, yeah. which kind of breathing a bit of a sigh of relief in some respects. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, I'm certainly not saying it's easy for anyone, but certainly I think the acute phase of that great resignation seems to have been over. I don't know quite why. 
but I'm grateful regardless. Yeah, both of us in the same boat there, for sure. Any any other positive signs that you're seeing or you saw in 2022 generally within the outpatient PT space? You know, it's very easy to become focused on the on the the challenges, but I th- I think there's definitely some tailwinds as well, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there's no question the demand for physical therapy is high, right? I mean, it's up and to the right, folks. I mean, I, I think the profession and and you as a clinician should be proud of, of all areas of healthcare work between different medical specialties and and even on the health system side for a number of years. I've never seen Google reviews and MPS scores as high as you see in PT. It's it's incredible, right? And you really don't get a chance as a patient to be with a top of license provider as you do in physical therapy. And I think that reflects on the just the care delivery and the patient experience, right? So I think that's just across the board. I think it's 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 awesome to see, and it's been fun to be part of the PT industry just to see the level of care that our clinicians, whether it's peer and clinicians, anywhere across the board, I think there's just a common theme of folks that get into PT for a reason. That has been fun to experience and, and fun to continue to expand and grow on. So look, the demand is there. I think there is a lot of innovation that's been great to see. We'll see over time whether those get the buy-in factors from patient experience. But as we saw through COVID, all of us moved into Nutella. Some of us already had it prior, like yourself, Richard, but all of us had to figure out ways. But I'd say more of the interesting outcome was a lot of these tech disruptors, right? Tech and clinically aligned disruptors that really started to think differently. And think about outpatient PT from a broader perspective, right? How to really, in my view, I think there's such an opportunity to continue to make a PT first strategy, right? Almost like a primary care model from an MSK perspective. And that gets me excited, right? I think there's Innovation will drive behavioral change and also hopefully patient adherence and 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 we can only hope downstream value around the payer side, right? To really think about payment models that are slightly different than just a declining world that we're seeing in CMS and moving into more cost mitigation and other areas that could, you know, drop up the value PT. So I think incremental steps, it's been for us and myself fun to partner with a few of these folks out in the more disruptor side of the MSK space. I strongly believe in partnership models, aligning with like-minded philosophical folks. You can build it all or, you know, our, our expertise is four walls, you know, outpatient PT, and we, we do a, a fantastic job across that. And I think it's for PRN, it's more around how to partner with others that are doing something unique and innovative and to bring that into our overall clinical model. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of great things, you know, look, there's macro challenges. There's always going to be macro challenges, right? We saw a lot this year crammed into a short timeframe, but I, I think there's a lot of growth, a lot of just the outcomes across PT. We can't limit how we can promote that, right? I think the profession has not done as great a job of promoting outcomes as we can. And I think that's an opportunity going into 23 and an opportunity going in, in general. So to me, there's a lot of excitement and I, I love the I love seeing innovation across delivery. So I think that just makes a difference from any subsector. If we can spend a couple of minutes perhaps talking about staffing, because staffing, I, I, I believe there's two factors that will determine the the haves and have-nots in healthcare or outpatient therapy. And one is the ability to recruit and retain staff, and secondly is technological innovation. But if we focus on the clinical side, which we've already talked about to a certain extent, we have to operate in an environment where there is essentially a shortage of clinicians. As you said, I agree with you in regards to the demand side is not an issue, really. 
yes, there are certain areas, geographical areas, where we may struggle or fight for the referrals. But, but on the whole, I see demand for therapy increasing or outstripping the supply of therapists for at least short and medium term. So how do we manage that? You know, do we just accept other entities or non-PTs are just going to come into the space and we have to embrace that? Is it the fact that we've just got to run faster and see more with less? Is it adoption of AI and, and let non-customized treatment plans manage basic MSK conditions with lack of one-on-one touch? Or is it something else? I, I, I honestly don't know what it will be, but, but the bottom line is, or how do we manage those staffing challenges? Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's a million-dollar question, right? I, I We talked a little bit about Rich, but I think there's a handful of things, right? First, I think it's uh, really, how do you continue to be a different employer, things that are going to be attractive, that are beyond comp is important. You want to be competitive on comp. What else are you doing from a clinical growth, whether, whether it's residencies, fellowships? Are there other enhancements that you can do to professionally grow a clinician in terms of their career aspirations? Is there um, ownership models and structures that can get them excited about what they can achieve professionally and, and personally for the, the, themselves and their family? I do strongly believe in innovation to what you reference and in terms of how to think about tele digital MSK for certain acuities and certain care models that could make sense where you have a flexible structure, you could have ability to treat outside of the traditional hours if you go down a, a more robust tele-offering where patients want weekends and a lot of clinics are not open on the weekends. They want after hours or they have child coverage challenges, right? So I think it's evolving the model from the hours perspective that we have today because everyone's facing different aspects of even kid care and in between all the RSV and everything else we face this year on top of all the other macro aspects. So I'd say there are areas like that that can help. PT historically is not, unlike the nursing industry, I'd say has not been as assertive from an H1B opportunity to go look at well-trained clinicians in different countries, creating an opportunity internally to really source, recruit, and open up a pipeline. I think you've seen movement of different peer groups that are starting to look at that, right, as an opportunity, which, again, hospitals have done that for decades in terms of a focus area. And then, unfortunately, nationally, we're seeing just challenges, right? A lot of systems have really had to cut back on service offerings. We've seen in some of our markets, health systems just shut down all their outpatient PT services just due to other priority areas and just reduce cost overrun, which also creates an opportunity to align with those PTs or align with those health systems. So I do think while there's a, certainly if Mr. Redding's numbers are accurate, which I'm sure they are, there is less PTs in the workforce, but I do think there's also challenges across the broader healthcare continuum. Uh, even home health has had some, where that's been a robust industry on growth, has also had some ratcheting down in terms of that growth model. So I do think there's some other areas that we'll see PTs that otherwise may have gone to other parts of the care model that may come into an outpatient PT, and we'll continue to see that going to next year is, is, is my thoughts today on that front. Bring up a really interesting point with regards to essentially foreign trained therapists. Obviously, well, not obviously, but I, I'm a foreign trained therapist myself. And it was extremely difficult to get licensure in the States. The immigration process was hard enough, but the licensure component 
at a number of points along the way, I just thought I'm just going to need to change career because it, there were so many barriers. And I'm not saying that as an English therapist, I was better trained, but I certainly would say that I was trained to a standard that was comparable. But there are so many barriers. And I, I, I think we could very easily address a significant or all of the issue in regards to shortages of, of therapists if we changed our perception on, on immigration of, of therapists. So obviously that's a, a topic for a podcast on its own, but, but that has yeah. definitely been a frustration for myself and not only therapists, but nurses and other you know, healthcare workers as well. You know better than I do, Richard, having lived it and gone through what you went through. We've been super fortunate on several of our markets to have gone through the process. Some of it's, it's easier to transfer, right? As you can imagine, once you've gone through the process to, to come in the country, it is easier to get transfers, but it's it's been a focus for us. And especially being heavily California and Washington, there's a high desire for folks to, uh, depending on the country they're in, to, to move and relocate to some of those parts of the country that we're in. So it has been a, a concerted focus for us throughout the calendar year going to next year to, to solve for it. But it's it can be a six month process, as you know, right? I mean, it's and it doesn't mean everything goes as planned, right? So it's so much just I think for the profession, the more we can continue to make it a conscious focus, then we can you know hopefully work through some of the challenges that we're all seeing for just the overall process that's gone through. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. Agile EMR is a comprehensive all-in-one electronic medical records solution created by physical therapists for physical therapists. Features include everything you need to run your physical therapy practice in one place. To schedule a demonstration of Agile EMR, visit our website at www.agiletherapyemr.com. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. What I wonder going forwards is there are certainly challenges for larger entities like ours. We obviously have economies of scale, which insulate us a little bit. I feel concerned for smaller entities, individual practices or those with two or three clinics, because we can spread these challenges with reimbursement across a larger platform. And I won't say completely absorb them, we can't, but certainly we, we have perhaps some levers or some abilities to, to manage it that, that smaller entities don't. Do you think these headwinds that we're experiencing and probably continue to experience next year, I would imagine at least, do you think that's going to have fallout on smaller entities? And, and if it is, how do you think that might be seen? Yeah, look, Richard, I... 100%. I think we saw a lot of that in 21, where folks that sustained all the challenges from the pandemic and the shutdowns, and really, if they were thinking about potentially joint venturing, selling their practice, you saw an acceleration in 21, or there was a lot of consolidation that we saw across the industry in terms of just uh, private practice providers looking to align with somebody that made sense philosophically or sell the practice and exit the industry altogether. And, and I, I think with all the challenges we talked about, it'll continue to put a, a ton of pressure on a concept that I love. And I think that it's great to have that we have such a strong private practice uh, 
just model across across the industry. I do think with all the continued cuts from CMS, the ability to get capital, right? I think uh, those of us that are larger and have good equity and lending partners, there's you know access to capital that it can be a little bit more efficient, certainly more efficient than a small provider. So I think the ability for them to expand will be challenged from just a pure capital standpoint. And the rest, everyone's facing the same micro challenges, right? So I, I, I think it'll, I think we will continue to see consolidation in the industry. We'll see smaller providers look to strategically align where it makes sense for them, right? And we'll probably see larger organizations also look for strategic combinations, right? Is, 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 in sort of this uh, high interest environment, it just changes uh, trajectories and, and perhaps strategic planning for larger providers uh, across the country. So, I think 23 would be an interesting year to see how some of that plays out. We've seen some of that already play out in 21, 22. It's not new. I just think we may see some acceleration just where the borrowing costs have gone, right? That's going to be a real impact on the balance sheets for, for many of us. Talking to private practice owners, I'm sure you're experiencing the same, that a lot of them are struggling. It's hard work to see 40 hours of patients and then do all the administrative components, which are increasingly burdensome. But it's not just the administrative burden now. It's the fact that you know there is even sometimes real reimbursement cuts. So they're having to run pretty fast. And surprisingly to me, but perhaps I shouldn't be surprised, is the fact that there's, there's, a lot of them are struggling to really get back to 2019 levels or or grow from 2019 levels. So I think they, they feel a little bit stuck trying to kind of wade through a bog. And I think a number are ready to throw in the towel or, or partner in some manner, as you say. But but the other thing I'm finding is is the value of their business isn't what it was. And not only are they struggling relative to pre pre covid but they're also seeing the value of what they've created not being as, as high which is a kind of a double whammy for them in a way i think we've all seen multiples and valuations that were at you know arguably peak values coming even six nine months ago but that's also as, as you know, Richard, just sort of a product of where debt was so cheap, right? Borrowing costs were so low that folks were willing to consider deals and, and consider valuations that, uh, that were re- reaching levels that we probably have never seen across the industry previously on size and, and scale. And so there's no question we'll go through sort of a price correction on small, large, medium-sized organizations, just given where borrowing costs, you know, especially if they stay at these levels, but uh, which is tough. Timing is everything, right? As we as we both know, Richard, in terms of how those things play out, but it's it's tough for someone that was looking for sort of their retirement income coming from perhaps their practice sale or or liquidity in some format. So I think all of us will have to go through sort of a mindset correction and what that means and how that looks. But there's opportunities for them to JV with. There's a lot of similar providers like ourselves at JV and do different models that can give them some liquidity and also align them on a exit in the future. So. I think there's creative ways to align and partner that can also pr- create value for a private practice owner today. But it's 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 certainly going to be turbulent, right? Folks, we've all faced it, right? The last two years have already we've already gone through a lot, and it's just different in sets of issues that, that we're closing the year with going into next year. I think the point of value of bit of the business or value of of the entity, smaller entities, or any entity really, the multiple or that basis in which we 
determine a price purchase has been historically high. And I think I think the perception until recently has been, well, it's going to continue to increase. But really, I think if you look at a, a longer term, longer time frame, these higher multiples the last few years have just been unusual. And I don't think people understood that they were unusual and they're not they weren't sustainable i think they everyone just anticipated for the good times to continue and i think it's a real shock for for owners to see the value of their business go down just as much i suppose as the idea of seeing your property price go down it's a being good for so long as i mentioned that owners are struggling with this issue well you know i can't get as much for it now than i could have done in 19. Yeah, look, I think it's it's humbling for all of us, right? And it's even tougher for someone trying to buy their first home and facing all the challenges that we're seeing across just getting loans and borrowing costs. But everything everything goes through phases, right? And we're just we're in a phase, and this will pass like other other phases that we've seen. And it's just, I mean, borrowing costs have been so low for so long that I think wherever it falls out, it probably won't be as high as where it is today, and, and it'll probably be some time before it gets down to the levels of where the Fed was on the, you know just from the rates itself. So there's somewhere in the middle, hopefully we'll level out and, uh, and just we'll go through what we go through from a price correction perspective. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. At Alliance, we believe that partnership means creating something that is greater than the sum of its parts. Our focus is finding physical therapy practices who are already doing good things with the resources and knowledge they have, and then providing them the additional tools, resources, and expertise to bring them from good to great. To learn more about joining our nationwide community of physical therapy practices while maintaining your brand and clinical practice, visit our website at alliancepTP.com. Welcome back to Agile Me, a physical therapy podcast series. What I'd like to briefly talk about is the, the technology piece. We talked about, obviously, the recruitment retention. But I think the other component is, is technology and more specifically the virtual care. As you mentioned, Alliance was pretty quick to embrace virtual. I believed that a combination of direct access, compact rule changes, led state regulatory changes to allow virtual care and COVID would drive patients to adopt or a proportion of patients to adopt the virtual environment for their care. Hasn't really happened as I anticipated. What most providers have found for outpatient PT at least is once the wave of COVID settled, people kind of came back to the clinic. We still provide it. We still see a reasonable number of patients, but the adoption of it hasn't been, hasn't continued, I believe, or use. Certainly, there seems to be a lot of players out there now offering the service. What do you think is the future of virtual PT? I believe it's always going to be a minority number of patients. I never think it's going to be huge, but do you think that adoption will increase over time or do you think it will stay at this very low percentage of total volume yeah look it's it's a love the question richard and and uh advocate what you guys have built and and did through COVID on on some of the the tech side and like all of us had to right so we like you on our core business saw telehealth certainly come down to a very nominal percentage of our overall visits and that continues to be the case today 
just with folks really wanting to come back into the four walls of care in, in the clinic and really get a uh, hands-on, you know, PT care. But it's been incredible to see the amount of entry points of non-traditional bricks and mortar come into the sector, right? You can name 10 of them, I'm sure, collectively in terms of, if not more, right? There's probably 20 to 30 that have entered the sector. I'm a big proponent of it. I, I think I think there's just a different set of patients. It's a much bigger pie, if you will, right? There's still going to be the same core patients that come to our clinics that need traditional care. But now there's an entry point for, you know, look, a lot of the workforce is working remote, they're traveling, they want this flexible lifestyle where their jobs allow, allow it, right? And But they still need PT care. So there's a virtual offering that can be a hybrid care model. And we're, we've really invested in this sort of hybrid concept. But we also recognize that our core clinical base really wants to be operating in the four walls and not on a televisit. And uh, earlier this year, I partnered with a group called Vori Health, impressive group led by Dr. Ryan Grant, who's a neurosurgeon, what I love about their model is they're a 50 state medical practice with a incredible tech from a digital MSK perspective. So I think what you'll see in my view evolve is different tech MSK players doing slightly different aspects of care, right? The, the opportunity is large. It's more to get patient adoption, but I, I really firmly think that the hybrid care model will win out over time if you can have and really engage in an appropriate manner with the patient, right? I think through COVID, we had a large bolus of workforce that was not accustomed to doing that. That wasn't what they went to school for. That wasn't how they were trained. We were training them as best as we could as we were trying to get into more of, at least from our, our experience and trying to get on somebody with a Zoom or iPad and, or their phone, right? Those are just not not easy compared to what they were trained and how they were operating a day before, right? Or two, two weeks before. So I think the opportunity to partner with someone that is brings that tech MSK expertise, and that's their focus with our traditional arm could be compelling and interesting, but time will tell, right? But I, I'm excited about it. I think disruption is good. I think it will help to continue to promote the value of physical therapy and what that can mean, right? I think we, like other aspects of care, we haven't promoted what PT can mean as sort of that PT first approach. So to me, I think it's it's slower. It's been slower, but I think the digital MSK companies would argue they've seen a lot of growth in what they're doing across the self-insured, the Medicare Advantage lives, the duals. They've put a more concerted focus on risk, risk capitation, and, and doing payment models that are very different than what you see across our, our peer group. So I'd love to perhaps focus on 2023. You know, it's all well and good looking back, but really what's happened has happened and more interested in the future. So as a leader of a very successful organization and a growing organization, what do you see in the next 12, 18 months? What should perhaps we be looking at? And perhaps if there's anything specifically that if private practices should be at least aware of, if not focused? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great question, Richard. I, I, like to start with like optimism, right? I think we've seen Again, last two years, there's been a lot of reasons to to not have an optimistic view, right? As we've all kind of faced the same challenges in, in different increments. It's a new year, new opportunities, uh, new growth areas, new ways to align. And, and I think we should kind of go in with a refreshed view and, and look at sort of the positives in terms of how to focus again on our employees and our patients and the communities we serve. I think it, for me, it's been a a humbling privilege to be in the seat I'm in and, and just to see the level of care that we're doing and what that means from a patient perspective. I do think we'll see 
continued consolidation, which right or wrong, I think that'll help from a scale perspective, help companies maneuver through challenging reimbursement trends, high borrowing costs, but also align with some great private practices to expand what somebody started in that local market and continue the tradition of what they have in the local community and, and give them a chance to grow from a de novo or their brand or their overall reach of what they're doing from a therapy perspective. And also bring in some other expertise and other service offerings that perhaps bigger companies like ourselves can offer and, and bring to that entrepreneur. It's great to have the entrepreneurial spirit and it's how to, how to make that embrace it and also help. You know, but I think we'll also see, we'll see continued different alignments with outpatient PT, whether it's with a large primary care group with a One Medical, with a CVS or Walmart Health, right? I think we'll, we'll continue to see different combinations, different ways of providing service offerings than perhaps what we've seen in the past decade. We've seen a, a huge shift of a lot of our peer groups, including, you know, PRN, move into health system joint ventures. Really to think about the patient care, how to really provide a a almost a virtual academic medical center experience in in sort of local community where you can point of access come in and, and get the continuity of care. I think that's huge. I think that's huge from patient experience to have that opportunity to have the best of the best outpatient PT experience through either Alliance or PRN, but also be aligned with a system that has expertise in those areas. I think creative partnerships, joint ventures will continue to evolve, whether it's even the digital MSK side, but I think it's how to get creative in these times will sustain, right? I mean, you got to be focused on the four walls, you got to be focused on the right clinical development, but I I do think alignments and partnerships, they're not all built the same and they don't all have the same results. But I do think those things will help. And even when we start to work with health plans to have a different offering than perhaps just traditional fee-for-service, right? So I think those things excite me and gives me drive in terms of how to be more innovative from a care model perspective versus just more clinics in the market. So that's that's my view. And I think, you know, the next 12 to 18 will be interesting in terms of just how that plays out and what we see even directly across the peer groups to see some combinations that, that do kind of present themselves. Thank you so much, AJ, for your time today. Really appreciate it. This podcast was brought to you by Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care. For more information, please visit our websites, alliancepTP.com and agilevirtualcare.com. Make sure to follow us on social media and LinkedIn, where you can learn more about Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care.